0: And I think that at any level, you can be working with brands as long as you know how to position your value, which is probably the hardest
1: thing for people, I guess. That was a clip from our guest today on the Coastline Podcast. Her name is Johanna and she is from Winnipeg, but living in Bali. And I found her through Instagram. I've been following her for a while and I really am impressed with The type of content she puts out and her knowledge behind social media and influencer marketing, which is the topic of today's conversation. She is a digital marketing coach for driven and passionate females. And like I said, she owns her own business and she helps businesses and influencers level up their social media presence. Johanna shares her journey of how she was on the path to becoming a nutritionist to making the jump to marketing business owner. And she also talks about how that that is how she started, but she has transitioned mostly from managing social media accounts to now coaching macro influencers on turning their influence into a business. So we talk about that and just what influencer marketing looks like in 2020. She gives her predictions of what the year is going to bring. We also talk about how engagement is affecting not only the macro influencers, but everybody, and why building and fostering a community online and being genuine and authentic is so important when it comes to growth. She shares her best tips for people who want to jump into the influencer world and grow their Instagram account and have it become a source of income. And I think that's where a lot of people who are listening Are at. She knows a lot about the macro influencer space, which I find really fascinating. Um, But I am not even close to being a macro influencer, and I know most people listening to this are not as well. So I definitely wanted to take it down back to what would be, as she defines them, um, nano and micro influencers instead, just to make it a little more realistic and tangible takeaways for you guys. and then we also talk about why it's important to diversify platforms and not just put all your eggs into the Instagram basket and have something like a blogger email list that you actually own that you can connect with your audience. So, we definitely cover a lot of topics but all related to influencer marketing and I find this super super interesting. We definitely could have talked for way longer, but I just wanted to keep it the usual length of the episode and also Get some good nuggets for you guys. So, let's jump into it. I do actually want to mention I this how the sound is. We're we were doing it over Skype, um, and she was in a co-working space in Bali. And so, um, I tried to make it sound as good as possible. But if there's sometimes that it cuts out, I apologize. But for the most part, I think you'll be able to gain a ton of knowledge from this. And if you have any questions about influencer marketing, feel free to either reach out to Johanna or myself we would both be happy to answer them um and then yeah let's jump into it here is Johanna all right let us Just get into it. Do you want to start with introducing yourself and two fun facts?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think my two fun facts are that one, I grew up on a potato farm in rural Manitoba. It's a really small area, really small town. The high school has about 300 people and my family uh, grows potatoes. Like I mentioned, wheat, barley, rye, canola. So my first job was basically as a farmhand. Second fun fact would be that I'm currently living in Bali. I've been here since October 16th of 2019. So I left shortly after or the day of Canadian Thanksgiving. And I'm staying here till May of 2020 for sure. And then we will see what happens after that. The visas are actually super flexible here. So you can kind of like bop in and out of the country if you want. And there's not a lot of limitations. So it's an easy place to come and go from.
1: No, that's awesome. And how come you decided... Bali like don't just give a little because I'm sure so many people are like oh I wish I could live in Bali don't just give a little background on that before we jump into like the business stuff
0: absolutely so I knew I wanted to go somewhere um and skip the winter basically skip Canadians or Canada's freezing cold winter and I had traveled Asia in 2017 we went to Indonesia which is where Bali is Thailand Vietnam Singapore and China and Out of those places, the two places that you can find a lot of digital nomads would be Chiang Mai, Thailand, and also Bali. So when I was deciding, um, I just basically went off what my favorite place was, and it was Canggu, Bali, which is where I'm living now. Tons of digital nomads here. Other places in the world that have, like, mini digital nomad hubs are, like, Tulum, Mexico is kind of getting a little more popular. I think Costa Rica is a little bit more popular as well, but I really was like confident that I knew what I was getting into when I came back here, that I was going to have access to internet and just be able to connect with other people in my industry as well. So that is why I came all the way over here, even though it's almost the farthest place
1: possible from
0: Winnipeg, which is where I live now.
1: Right. But you're definitely missing very cold weather over here in Canada. So (laughs) yeah, not sad about it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very jealous. Um, So do you want to talk about... What you do, kind of what your journey was to get here, Um, like what did you take in school and just walk us through that whole journey.
0: Mm -hmm. So after high school, I decided I wanted to be a registered dietitian. So I started a nutritional science degree actually at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. And I did my first year there, Um, was totally overwhelmed by how competitive that university was but it was a good experience. And also the rain in Vancouver was a little much for me. The city's still beautiful in the summer, but of course school is like September to April when it's so rainy. And I think I'd rather have the minus 20 and sunshine than plus eight and just dreary all the time. So moved back to Manitoba to finish my nutritional science degree. I was on track to become a registered dietitian um, because you have to apply in Manitoba anyway. You apply after about year two of your degree. So you kind of know well before you graduate university if you're going to enter that dietetics program. And during that time, um, I wanted to start a food blog and I was starting to use Instagram for food photos and stuff. And then I thought, oh, you know, like maybe I could be kind of good at this Instagram thing. So then I started managing other accounts in my city during my degree. So I was in school, I was serving, and then I was doing a little bit of this Instagram account management on the side. I worked with a juice and smoothie bar, which was awesome because I'm a photographer as well. So those photos were really fun. I worked with a yoga studio and also a microgreens company. So like broccoli sprouts and alfalfa sprouts. And that was actually a really fun thing to shoot as well. So that was all happening during my degree. And then when it was coming up to the summer of the actual internship, so I had graduated, um, been accepted to this program, which they only accept 20 or 30 people a year, really competitive. I just knew that it wasn't for me anymore and so I figured that I just have more of a marketing brain than a healthcare brain and I started to freak out a little bit but going into it the summer before I was like no 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 I'll just stick it out it's only 10 months I'll get this um, designation and it'll be great. And then, after about the six week mark of being in the internship, I was crying in my car every day on the way to and from the hospital. And while I was there, I was doing a good job, and, and I had a great dietitian um, leading me and everything, but I just knew that it wasn't for me. So, at that point, I had my social media account management clients and I was doing a lot of content writing, but I basically had to make the decision to leave the internship or not. And I decided that. I was going to leave it. So I quit it, very cold turkey, actually, um, shortly after it started, six weeks after it started. And then that was my leap to go full-time. So it was a really hard decision because up until then, I had never had the opportunity to even test whether I could make a full-time income doing what I do because I was always in school or whatever it was. But it was taking that leap that definitely gave me the space to accept more clients as well. Like as soon as I had that opening the clients just came flooding in and I was never scraping to get more money and it's been good since then. So it was definitely the right decision, but a
1: really hard one at the time. Right. Well, and it's like a a leap, like you're over here and then marketing was over here. So it's a huge like decision to just switch over. Um, And so when was this? So when would you say you went like full time?
0: Uh, It was October 2018. So it's just been over a year. Yeah a year and a couple of months I've been full-time yeah and and my role has evolved since then as well I launched two online courses last year um which was really exciting and a lot a lot of work but it was a good
1: learning experience no that's great and I think it's impressive that you were able to just do it for yourself because I know even like for me although I started longer ago when you couldn't really charge money for social media management is when I started <laughs> but I still had to have like a full time job and I was at an agency and like did all of that and then had the social media on the media clients on the side. So it's impressive that you were able to make that decision and then fully dive into it rather than like how I did. It was kind of like tiptoe around it and then make sure that it was going to be okay. So um, it's impressive that you've been able to build it like that.
0: Yeah, thank you. And um, I was serving before, too. So I was slowly dialing back the serving hours and then increasing the social media stuff. So there was a little bit of transition. Um, and then even when I quit the internship, I was like, oh, I might have to go back to my serving job. But I really wanted not to take like that step back, so to speak. So I swam for it and it was it all worked out.
1: So do you want to, because I know you, so you do the social media marketing, um, but you've, you also do a lot with influencer marketing now, and that's kind of like what you talk about a lot on your own social media. So do you want to just talk about how you made that transition and then decided influencer marketing was going to be a valuable thing to add to your business?
0: For sure. So when I was doing the social media account management, I kind of thought for a quick brief second, I wanted to be a virtual assistant. I didn't even know what that meant. That was just the word that I had in my mind. So I reached out to my favorite influencer at the time. Her name is Rami Ishizuka. Um, she's this cute little Japanese American influencer from LA. I DM'd her and basically I was like, hey, you seem super busy. I think that I can help you. And in hindsight, it's insane she even saw my message because you know that you have your Instagram messages and then you're like request messages and her request inbox is 99 plus for forever probably. But she saw my message and she was like, yeah, it's crazy. I've been looking to hire someone, like basically you're hired. And I was still in university at this point. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Like this is insane. <laughs> my my favorite influencer is hi- hiring me. How is, this, how is this happening? So for her, I did a lot more admin stuff, kind of like, Back and stuff in her blog answering emails she uh, would get invited to a ton of events and stuff and I would just respond like yes or no and kind of help her organize her calendar she I went to LA, LA a couple times to see her and work with her in person and I got to shoot her like as a photographer while I was there which was really cool so that was my first peek into what the influencer job actually looks like and I ended up doing some writing for her and through that I got some other word of mouth clients on Instagram that I started doing this content writing and some business strategy for as well. So we would look into the back end of their business and think like, okay, where can we diversify or where can we create like a new stream of income or where do we need to niche down a little more and what direction are they gonna take their content basically? So then over the last couple of years, I've worked with eight or nine full-time influencers. Um, they're all over 100K audience size. And I've just really been able to see how the back end of that business works and also learn a lot about what brands need and want as well by being part of those negotiations. So last year, I would say I was really focused on being the Instagram girl and teaching people how to use Instagram to grow their business. But this year, I'm definitely niching more towards influencer marketing because I love talking about it. I think there's so much potential in this industry for brands and influencers. Um, And yeah, it's just something that has really become like way more of a passion of mine than it was in the very beginning
1: right and I feel like that's not something you would even know until you were like in the space to know that you could even make a job out of that or have a passion about it Um, especially because it's not like you had a hundred thousand followers kind of thing so then to go at it from like a business perspective I think is a good idea plus people even now, like, influencer marketing seems like it's been, like, around for so long, but it's not, and it's still so new. So I think, especially influencers that are huge, like, I've heard that lots of them don't even really know how to make it a business. They just have all these followers and, like, don't really have a plan, So I'm, which I'm sure you know. So it's great that you've been able to nail that down as a need. Um, and what would you say are some of the, like, biggest business challenges that you see from like an influencer perspective because I'm sure they relate to all businesses really because we're it's all kind of the same
0: I think one of the biggest challenges that some of the bigger influencers are dealing with right now especially in like the fashion space is that they did a lot of these loop giveaways a couple years ago which were really popular and a really good way to grow but now their engagement rate is suffering because of it so Basically, they might have grown like 10,000 followers from a, a loop giveaway, but those people weren't interested in their content to begin with. So they've never been engaging with them since. So now they're stuck with this low follower number or influencers bought followers way back when, and now they don't know what to do about it. So if they're really have a really high follower number and a really low engagement rate, we're probably looking at something like that. And I feel really bad for these girls because they're just like paralyzed because they didn't know that they were doing something wrong at the time, but now it's really hindering their business. So from that, they really need to either do like a follower clean out, which you can find services to kind of like clean up your followers and get rid of anything that isn't engaging with you or anything that they might mark as a bot. But at this point it could be half their audience, which would also be really alarming because some brands are still looking at follower number. And as an influencer, you can get by just by having a big follower number. But as the industry becomes more mainstream and as people understand how, what they need to do or look for basically to get a good return on their investment, the importance of the follower number is definitely becoming less and less relevant. So I think that that's a challenge for some people that they basically that they did these loop giveaways and they grew in kind of an inorganic way and now they're stuck with that and it's hard for them to increase their engagement.
1: Well, and that's not even for like big influencer, because I feel exactly the same way. Like the other day I was even just telling my fiance that I was like, I wish I didn't do any of the loop giveaways. I wish I didn't buy followers cause then I would have a hundred thousand followers. <laughs> you know, if I would have bought them, I would have bought yeah. like a lot of them, but I right. still wish I would have built it more organically now that we see, like you said, the impact of having those followers. Um, so I definitely, like I personally need to go and through that so it affects, even the like super small influencers and then up into the big one that I think everyone's dealing with the same engagement problem.
0: Totally, yeah, but it is so tempting because especially to hit 10K and get the swipe up link, like it can make such such a big difference for your audience to be able to send them to your blog and send them to like linking stuff through Reward Style. And so I totally get the appeal,
1: um, but yeah, it can be a bit detrimental when done.
0: Right.
1: Totally, and so lots of people, Actually, probably 99.9% of people that listen to this podcast do not have that many followers, but want to either become an influencer or grow their social media or any of those. I'm sure you get a billion DMs a day with those questions. Um, Mm -hmm. So what are your tips for people that are starting out? Like maybe they have social media, they've been just using it for like friends and family, but they want to transition into like, quote unquote, influencer. For sure. So I think the first thing that you need to do is really identify what value you're able to
0: bring through your social media and what your unique voice is, I guess. And I know lots of people sit there and they're like, I have nothing or like, I don't have a unique voice. I don't know what it is. But like, trust me, you do have something. Everyone has something because our own unique life experiences just naturally shape our opinions. So even if you and the other influencer are both talking about fashion or stories are going to be different just based on your own life experiences. So definitely identifying, again, how you can help and serve your audience and what value you can bring them is number one. And then number two is just to be super consistent with showing up online, um, having high quality content, because we know that Instagram is a visual platform. So it's not going to cut it anymore to have like a dimly lit photo, you need to learn how to edit your photos. And it's not hard. And it doesn't have to, you don't need a camera, like an iPhone is perfectly fine. But just Go get comfortable with Lightroom CC, like the free version of Lightroom, which is an iPhone app and then Visco or VSEO and you'll be good to go. But you have to be consistent and make sure that you're showing up and staying. I guess the third thing I would say would be to niche down before I think everyone wants to become a lifestyle influencer and they just want to be able to share every single thing about their life. And that's what they think an influencer is, is just like talking about themselves. But really, the more that you can become the go-to person for one thing, the clearer they're getting when they come to your page, instead of being like, oh, she posted today. What's it going to be today? Is it going to be about fitness or like her dog or her favorite wine? And we love sharing about all those things, but there's one one topic definitely needs to stand out above the rest so posting 80% about one thing and then 20% about all the other stuff that just make you you
1: right and i think especially like you said when you're starting out to really niche down so that people understand mm-hmm. why they're following you um because i think people forget like they don't realize the transition between like just using and posting literally whatever they were posting before to becoming a business That they're like oh but I want to post my dog and my wine and my breakfast and my boyfriend and like but you have to like really if you're making that decision to become a business then you have to make that sacrifice if you want to call it that to grow it into like a more business focus plus with stories I feel that you can share a little bit more of your life with that would you agree yeah I agree Yeah, I would always say that, that you can just post the more
0: fun stuff on stories, but you could also have reoccurring themes in your stories as well. Like if you always show your breakfast or whatever it is on stories, or you always post about when you're going to spring class in your story, but it doesn't show up on your feed that often, then it it kind of still needs to be an intentional decision either way.
1: Right. And what would be your tips for people who are looking for a niche? Like, I know people are listening, they're like, hey, I need a niche, I need to narrow down or like find my personal brand. What would be your advice for people like trying to figure out what they should be posting about?
0: Mm, I think the, I mean, the obvious is like, what are you excited about? Uh, But again, some people are gonna be like, well, I really like nutrition and fitness, but I also like fashion. And then you just have to make a decision. Again, if you're looking at it from a business perspective, if a brand comes to your page and they see a little bit of everything, then you will never be like able to wholeheartedly align with them because you're too all over the place that the brand can't, like, can't li- align with you because they don't know what you really 100% stand for. Whereas if you were full on in the fitness space and a fitness brand will know that you guys could be good partners almost right away um, for the most part. So first of all, yeah, what you're excited about and then picking a direction. And then let me think... Um, sorry I had a good thought about this no, it's good. Uh, what was the question again exactly you said how to choose that
1: yeah like how to decide what they should be posting about to like narrow it down or I guess like how to narrow down when you're creating that content to really like focus in and create it as your personal brand for someone who's just starting out hmm. okay Great. I think you've you like basically today. answered it <laughs> Yeah,
0: there was one other thing. So second I would yeah. say is to create your own I help statement and identify who who you are and who you help. Because if you're in the fashion space, for example, your fashion sense is going to be unique in some way. So maybe you help young professional millennials um, find outfits on a budget. So it's these people, let's say, who have just graduated from university. They're just starting their professional job. They need to be dressing Um, like business appropriate but they don't have huge salaries because they just graduated so you're the person who shows them how they can find those like high quality items on a budget yeah so creating that I help statement will probably help bring some clarity on what you're posting and then every time you're creating content you're going back and being like am I serving my people with this content or is this just like a photo of my dog that I thought was cute (laughs)
1: Right. And I think that's really important to note that that's how social media has evolved and how Instagram as a business has evolved, that it now is like every time you post about whatever you're posting, like, is this offering value or what people are getting out of it? Because there's so much noise and there's still like, obviously most of Instagram is still just posting cute photos of their dog. So if you're like making yourself different than to really provide value. And I, even I struggle with that sometimes because you feel like you just have to post, but then I'm like, Hey, I'm not even posting about anything. So like, don't post. It's going to be fine if you skip a day because you're just adding to the noise of nothing
0: right and i think there's a time and a place for those more fun images and just like short witty captions because it shows your personality it can help you become relatable and stuff but still three out of five posts you want to be in your niche and giving value for sure
1: right and we briefly talked about numbers and like how the bigger influencers are struggling because of inflated numbers. Um, but for people that are just starting out, I know that especially now, because it is harder to grow your following, that numbers can be very intimidating. So what would you say about, like, how many followers does someone need to be like an influencer again, quote unquote, um, and how important just in general numbers are in today's market?
0: Yeah, so first of all, people usually put influencers into the category like nano influencer, micro influencer, macro influencer, and, macro influencer, and some people have different, ranges of what these numbers actually are. To me, a nano influencer is less than 10,000. A micro influencer is like 10,000 to 100,000. And then a macro influencer is 100,000 plus or anyone that's full time. So if you have an audience of 80,000, but it's your full time job, then I would still consider them a macro influencer. And I think that at any level, you can be working with brands, as long as you know how to position your value, which is probably the hardest thing for people I guess so when you're pitching to work with a brand you basically need to present yourself in a way that shows like how you are going to serve the brand because brands are businesses they're not here to just like play photographer like they're spending their money on something that they want to make money back off of and if they don't think they're going to make money off of you then they're probably not going to pay you so definitely don't take it personally when you're pitching brands and they're not Answering you first of all, or they're just saying no because your follower number is too small. Because that could be for two reasons one, maybe the brand isn't educated on the value of engagement rate versus follower number. Because, like we've said, influencer marketing is so new and it's changing so quickly. So, it's okay to kind of educate a brand. Um, I've been talking about this a lot with long term contracts. So what we've seen before is it was really popular for a brand to hire an influencer for one Instagram post and it was just like one and done and that was it. But the problem is that for a consumer or someone in the audience, if I see a product once, I'm probably not going to buy it. It takes closer to seven exposures for someone to buy something. Second, um, it looks totally random for the influencer's audience because they just posted about it once and never talked about it again. And then the audience would be like, wait, weren't you like obsessed with that toothpaste? Where did it go? Um, and then for the brand, it's just ends up kind of being a waste of money. So what I think we need to work towards in 2020 is asking for, as influencers, asking for long-term contracts and just saying to a brand hey I think it would be more efficient if we could work together on a monthly basis have me post one dedicated Instagram post a month for you guys and on and on because that's more money for the influencer a better return on investment for brands but brands might not be coming to you with that idea because they just don't know any better so it's okay as an influencer because you are a business to offer up that education and also like create more value for both parties in that sense. And you never know how they might respond, hopefully positively. So I kind of got a little off topic there, but as far as working with brands goes, yeah, you definitely, it definitely, I would say over a thousand. If you have an audience of over a thousand, you could definitely be getting free stuff. I would recommend reaching out to small local brands in your area first and just, letting them know first of all compliment the brand let them know what you really like about them second introduce yourself briefly let them know what you share about on social media um and kind of like what your thing is and then third ask if there's any way that you can help them so you definitely don't want to go into a pitch and be like hey and by the way can you send me like 10 free candles you want to say oh you know it's christmas time i know you guys always put out like a christmas scent i would love to um maybe offer a couple to my audience. Or I would love to talk about it on my Instagram stories if there's any way I can help you advertise something, let me know. Because then you're just simply offering your services to them in a really like calm way, <laughs> not not going in for the ask and that would probably be the best way to start getting those little mini
1: collaborations. Right. I do I think that's important that it's about them. Like you said, like, how are you helping them as opposed to how you're helping yourself because they get tons of those messages all the time. So you want to stand out and actually genuinely want to help them promote their product. Um, And so for someone um, that's starting out getting free stuff, how can they grow and turn it into a career? So what would be, we've kind of touched on things to help your Instagram, but What would be your advice for if someone wants to turn it into career, start making money and just your advice for growth in general?
0: Uh, Yeah, so I think it starts, again, with those gifted collaborations. So when you have an opportunity to work with a brand, especially in the beginning, you want to go all out and you definitely want to over deliver. So if they asked you for one Instagram post and three Instagram stories, let's say, um, maybe you do the Instagram post and then a couple of weeks later or a month later, you post again about their product because it's generous for the brand it's going to make them want to work with you again and it's nice for your audience to see this product again and it wasn't like it just got swept under the rug with everything else and then once you've had some gifted opportunities with a brand go back to them in you know the next quarter or six months and ask them if they have an opportunity for a collaboration again and at that point you'd want to ask for compensation instead hopefully if they enjoyed working with you then they'd be open to paying you and it can just kind of grow from there. It's always going to be easier to work with another brand you've already worked with again, versus going and finding and having to make a connection with another brand and get to know them and then getting another deal with them. So it's nice to have those reoccurring partnerships. Again, nice for your audience and nice for everyone involved because you're just used to working together. Um, after that, I would say... It's kind of like slow and steady, but the more time you spend pitching brands, the more response you're going to get. And that's really where the grind is as an influencer is consistently reaching out to these brands. It can be really helpful if you can find some PR contacts at, um, yeah, PR agencies, because chances are they're working with multiple brands at that point. So even if you weren't a fit for like their Ford campaign they probably have 15 other clients that could be an opportunity for you down the road. So really making connections there and continuing to offer value. So maybe for a collaboration you ask them, if they would be open to you doing like 15 product shots for them on top of whatever you need to post on Instagram. So if I'm posting an image on my feed, it's going to have me in it and the product. But I'll say to the brand, hey, if you guys want an extra 15 product shots, I'll do them in my home. I'll send them to you and my rate would increase like accordingly. So it gives me an opportunity to make more money because my following isn't super huge. So they're not going to pay me a lot more necessarily for an Instagram post, but they get value out of it because it is expensive for brands to hire photographers and stuff too. So if they can get as much content as they can out of hiring just one influencer, then it will probably be beneficial to them too.
1: Right. And then it also gives like you more practice and you've already set up your whole shoot. And so if you are growing, um, then you can also do your photography, editing, like all of that that goes into the rest of the Instagram feed as you're growing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And then you have images if you wanted to do the photography route,
1: let's say to add more value,
0: you have images now for a portfolio. So that when you're in discussions with another brand, you can say like, Hey, for this, um, like makeup company, I did these 15 product shots. I'd love to send them your way. And like, even if they're something totally different, like a food product company, they can see what you've done, I
1: guess. Right. And I think it's even important. Um, like I even still do it now, even though I get like offers for collaborations, like I'm sure you do as well, but, um, I still go and buy products and take photos and post photos of things that I'm buying and like writing blog posts so that if I like travel, I'm like, oh, look at this travel blog post that I wrote for the last city I was in, even though like nobody paid me for it, but then you can pitch it to the next city you're going into or whatever. So I think even if you're not being paid for something where it's not a real collaboration, um, it's still good to have, like you said, for a portfolio to then pitch for the next brand or whatever it is that you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's really important to constantly be talking about brands that you love on your Instagram stories and your feed because otherwise, for, if you never talk about products and drop brand names and stuff, the second you have hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored, your audience is going to be like, "Whoa, where is this coming from?" Whereas if on a weekly basis you're talking about the dry shampoo you use or the like electronic thing in your kitchen or whatever, then at least they're used to you recommending stuff all the time, and it will be a way, way smoother transition.
1: Totally. Um, And for people, like you said, uh, being authentic and really pulling in on what they value and are passionate about, how can they translate that to getting to know their audience better and becoming more connected with them? Because that's a huge part of the engagement that everybody is needing right now.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as connecting with your audience goes, you have to be answering comments. You have to be answering all your comments unless you are have a million followers and you have 10,000 comments on a post and you literally don't have the time in the day because you're Kim Kardashian. You have to be getting back to these people, even if it's just answering with like, thank you so much. You know, thanks for saying that this photo is cute, whatever, because it makes people feel heard and then they're going to engage with your stuff again. And comments are super, super valuable as far as like the algorithm goes. So You want to be making those connections and answering your DMs because at the end of the day, if your business is being an influencer, then you're showing up for these people. And so you need to be having actual conversations with them so that you can get feedback um, and so that they can really feel heard because those people that you are able to make connections with are going to be like your brand evangelists and they're going to keep liking your stuff. And then they're going to be able to trust you enough also to buy from you. So if you're just completely disconnected from your audience and you're never like giving back to them or answering them, people will notice, especially the people that really look up to you and really like your content. If they've DM'd you five times and you've never answered, they're going to notice. Um, and then they're going to take it personally because if you can't take time out of your day to just send them a simple DM or like a voice response or a video response, which just takes a couple seconds, um, then they're not going to want to engage with your stuff anymore because they don't feel heard. And Instagram really since it was started as an app was really about community. And that's still one of the core values at over at like Instagram headquarters. So they do want people to be creating um, community. And so it's important as an influencer to make sure that you are having those relationships and even being able to identify, like who are those people that comment on your posts all the time, even if you don't know their first name because their handle is something weird. Like, can you write down five or 10 handles of people that consistently engage with you, even if you've never met them in person? I would say you should be able to.
1: Right. I actually just listened to a podcast, um, the birds papaya or birds of papaya, whatever Mm. her thing is. um, Yeah, her handle. And she actually said that, that she spends four hours a day replying to DMS and comments and doing all of that because that's her job. And she's like, that's the community. And like, for someone who's doing that full time, and obviously is really busy, like that's a lot of time that she's spending doing that. But it's like she grew her following if that's what she wants to do and what people want to do then I think it's important to really notice that that is the commitment to like obviously she can't get to everybody and like I can't spend four hours because I don't have that many dms or comments you know but like it's all relative Mm -hmm. to your community but really like people do notice because her engagement's huge because she's obviously like really in her community so I think it's important to just notice people like that and then take that and apply it to your own social media yeah that's amazing that she does that.
0: i'm not surprised but it really is one of the roles of the job and it has to be taken like a serious part of it's just networking basically and it's so easy you know it's so it's so much more overwhelming to have to go into a room of people and try and like start conversations and shake hands whereas like instagram there it's free networking all day long if you want it so you could be constantly connecting people, meeting new people. And also, um, as an influencer, it's a good way to kind of bring more people to your page as well, like going and engaging with accounts that you're excited about or accounts that you think would be excited about your content, not in a spammy way, just like looking at their page, actually reading their caption, leaving a comment goes a long way. It'll probably get someone back over to your page and they know that you've taken the time to check out their content. And that is often enough to get them back over to your page, too.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think people underestimate that, that that is really, like you said, that's what Instagram is for, like, it's a social media platform. So you should be social on it, Mm -hmm. as well with the media, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yes. And I wasn't going to ask about the algorithm and your thoughts on it. But since you touched on it, like slightly because of this whole engagement thing, what's your just like, overview of how you feel about the algorithm using algorithm to your advantage um because i know people still there's less complaining about it but everyone just kind of hates it in a general sense so just one of your thoughts
0: <laughs> yeah definitely so the algorithm first of all it's created to make the user experience better and that's always going to be instagram's goal like instagram is not personally attacking you or trying to screw anyone over if you're noticing um, a drop in engagement or something, it's likely something you're doing, unfortunately. So there, is, it can be little things like, obviously, buying followers may trigger the algorithm and you don't want to be doing that. But also, if you're using the same, let's say, 30 hashtags every single time and you're just copying, pasting them onto your post, but the hashtag doesn't actually match what's in your caption or what's in your image, then Instagram could like flag you a little bit for spammy behavior. Because as you know, you can follow hashtags. So if I'm following the hashtag like, I don't know, fitness influencer, let's say, and then I see this fashion post, I could click in the top right hand, the three dots and be like, this doesn't fit. Or like, I'm not sure what the exact button is. But basically, it's it's saying that like someone's using the wrong hashtag. So if Instagram can see that, then you're you as the person who posted using an inappropriate hashtag are going to get flagged. And then that hashtag, you might never show up for it again. So if something like that is happening, it is it is a reflection of your behavior on the app and your content, unfortunately. No one's going to be able to change the algorithm or anything, but what Instagram wants you to do is just show up consistently, serve your audience, and build a community. And as long as those are your intentions when you're going on that platform then you're doing everything right, and yeah, there's definitely no need to get worked up about it. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> no, I like it, and I think people now are kind of realizing it that first of all it's not that that's just what it is now a days and that Mm -hmm. i think it is like you said it's people who are actually engaged in their community and actually not doing what you're supposed to do on instagram but really just taking advantage of the platform and building that community and those are the people that are benefiting from how it's being set up yeah exactly yeah it's out of our Um, control yeah exactly there's nothing you can do except for just post good quality authentic content absolutely and um we're like obviously we're just talking about instagram but because there's different platforms coming out and like you don't own your content on instagram do you want to just let's briefly talk about why people should especially influencers diversify away from in, or not necessarily a way, but just diversify in general. Um, what other strong platform options are there for growing your influence, would you say?
0: Yes, I love this question. I feel glad you asked me because, like you mentioned, we don't own our Instagram followers. If your Instagram account gets hacked or something like that, it's, you're going to be hard pressed to get it back. I had a client and she had 170,000 followers and it took her a month to get access to her account and it was her full time job and, like, Instagram didn't even care about her. So if you are, you know, in the mid tier or low range and something happens, it's probably going to be game over. where all your, if all your eggs are in that basket. So there's two directions um, off social media that I think are really powerful. And that would definitely be a blog and an email list. So there's kind of two different ways to look at it. If you are as an influencer, like, I think brands would prefer for the influencer to have a blog if there was one of two, because when you're pitching with a brand, you could also say, you know, yeah, we're going to do these three Instagram posts, but I also have a blog. And if you write a dedicated blog about their brand, you're providing them with, like, backlinks, which are really valuable. And blog content is easy to kind of search for time and time again, whereas an Instagram post we know is going to disappear down the feed pretty quickly. So from a brand point of view, they will probably choose someone with a blog. But For you as an influencer, if you're ever thinking about selling in a different way. So let's say you want to create an online course or an ebook or a product or whatever it is, having an email list is going to be super valuable as well. So for an email list, I love the platform ConvertKit. I've tried MailChimp and also Kajabi. And I went back to ConvertKit after moving everything over to Kajabi because ConvertKit's automations are just so much better in
1: my opinion so that's the one that i like and then for a blog i use squarespace what do you use i have wordpress but i only because someone told like i didn't know anything when i started my blog and so someone was like wordpress so i did it but i 100 percent wish i was using squarespace
0: yeah wordpress i think got a really good reputation for having awesome seo or search engine optimization abilities and squarespace got a really bad reputation for that but I think that's kind of like old news and Squarespace has totally caught up with SEO. And I would say Squarespace and Wix are super similar. And then WordPress is more customizable, but in my opinion, the back end of WordPress um, is so messy and it's just like not user friendly. Um, but they're all great. So if you haven't, if you haven't started the blog, I would recommend Squarespace too. But they're all going to do the job. And the thing is you own your website. When you have a blog, you're going to be able to write long form content because sometimes an Instagram caption just doesn't have enough space for what we want to say. And if you're spending the time writing blog posts, then you definitely should be repurposing those to be two or three Instagram captions anyway. So if you write a blog post about like five tips to waking up energized, then you're going to take tip number two and put it in your Instagram caption and say like, Uh, One way I wake up energized, like without caffeine is like putting uh, citrus essential oils in my diffuser, let's say, and then you would put in the caption for four other tips, go to the blog. And then a month later, you can use a different tip and that'd be like for four other tips, go to the blog. So it's not like you're creating all this extra content necessarily, because you should definitely be repurposing your blog post back into Instagram two or three times at minimum for sure.
1: And how would you suggest someone start an email list? Because it's easy to start a blog, like you just go, you start writing. Um, But I feel like an email list is a little bit trickier, because you have to get people to sign up. Yeah, good point. So first of all, I think people should start an email list, regardless of whether
0: they plan on emailing them right away, especially if you have clients in any capacity. So if you are just Strictly um, an influencer, then maybe just collecting the emails with no intention of emailing them, and then you email them like a year later might seem a little random. But if you're also doing, um, I don't know, like any any side hustle on the side as well as building your personal brand, then it can be really smart to just you know collect your client emails as you start working with them. So for example, you'd have all your social media client emails somewhere. Might as well put them into a list. But when you start with a uh, ConvertKit, for example you don't even need your own website because ConvertKit will give you what's called a landing page, which is a place where it would just be like first name, email, subscribe. We've all been on those pages. But in order to give people incentive to subscribe, maybe at the first go around, you can go on your Instagram stories and be like, I'm starting a newsletter, sign up. And you'll get a handful of people that are just excited to see more content from you. But otherwise, convincing people to sign up just for nothing in return is going to be a long game. So Ideally, you want to create something that is called a lead magnet or an opt-in and that can look like a free little PDF that has a bunch of tips about regarding your industry. So if you're a nutrition, you might create a PDF using even Canva, which is a free, which has a really good, you, there's a paid one, but the free version of Canva is great. So let's say you create a little PDF on Canva that's called like five healthy breakfast recipes. So then someone can go to your ConvertKit landing page and when they put in their name and email, they'll get emails, B five breakfast recipes and then they'll be on your email list so when you email your monthly or weekly newsletter then all of those people are on your list moving forward
1: right I like that and I think also like you said then you can that's more blog content it's just content writing practice in general and then it kind of just ties everything together or even just ties the Instagram and the newsletter together right and when you have a newsletter you you could pitch that to a brand too and say i would love
0: to mention your company in my weekly newsletter you know i have four thousand subscribers and about like this open rate percentage or this click rate or whatever it is and then you could increase the value um that they're going to be paying you for that campaign
1: right i think it's also good if you then decide to like launch a youtube channel or like we're going to talk about your courses or something that you're launching that Yes, you're going to post on Instagram, but sometimes I feel like email is more a direct way to contact people that way. So like you said, like if that's what you're thinking about doing, then starting as soon as possible is the best way. Yeah,
0: and with email, you're really in control of when it's showing up in front of them a bit more so than the algorithm, because or than on Instagram because we know the algorithm doesn't put stuff in chronological order. But if I'm going to send an email to you at eleven thirty, I know it's coming to your inbox at eleven thirty, so you can be a little bit more intentional thinking about like, okay, what is my target audience doing at seven thirty p.m.? Oh, they're probably relaxing at home on the couch. Like this would be a great time
1: to email them. Right, and. Few more questions. We could I have like so many topics to talk about, but I love <laughs> we'll have to do more podcasts later. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, but what does the influencer marketing landscape look like in 2020 for both influencers and brands?
0: Yeah, I just wrote a blog post about this and I, I feel like I've been talking about it a lot. So this is good. Um, like I mentioned, the long-term contracts I think are really the direction that we all need to like work together to make sure that that happens because those one-off or like blast campaigns too. So sometimes a brand will hire 10 different huge influencers to all post on like the same time at the same day. And I guess if if you're following like three or five of them, you might see it and it creates a bit of hype, but it just, evaporates really quickly so long-term contracts just serve everyone better and I really think that that's the direction that we're moving in 2020 and I saw with my clients a lot more of that at the end of last year like one year even three year contracts which is really exciting because there's a lot of money in them but also like can be a bit nerve-wracking because you want to be super clear on what the direction of your brand is and make sure that you're super aligned with that company too if you're going to sign on with them for three years. Um, The second thing is I think that the checkout feature will become more widely available. So I'm sure you've seen like some company pages, you can press it, you see the little price tag and then you can buy something right within the app. And then there are some big influencers who have had access to that checkout on their own personal page and it's only when they're in collaboration with a specific brand. But I think moving into 2020, almost all uh, creators or creator accounts or influencers will have access to this checkout feature so long as it's partnered with a brand that has it, if that makes sense. So I couldn't go on there and just like make a price tag off something I got at H&M and try and sell it. Like (laughs) I would have to be in a paid partnership with a brand and then it would create access. And when that happens, brands will be able to measure conversion super, super easily, because until now, most influencer marketing, the goal has just been awareness, which is kind of vague to measure. And that's why follower number was also such a big thing, because they were like, oh, if they have a million followers, like, we're going to get a lot of awareness. So we'll just throw money at it and hope that it works. But now if we can measure actual sales and link clicks a little bit better, then that's going to be it's really going to help the influencers who can sell and who are really aligning and creating that community uh to stand out from the rest and once you have the checkout feature for example you can literally create a case study based on that like oh i sold two thousand dollars worth of product and then you can take that to the next brand in your pitching so i think that will be something that we'll see in 2020 and i think um, in 2020 there's becoming a lot more opportunity for the nano and the micro influencer so long as you go out there and take it because brands it is really hard to find you in the sea of influencers that is Instagram now everyone does want to do this and I think that anyone can do it but I don't think everyone can do it if that makes sense but if you are excited about it if you have a direction and if you're going to work to create relationships relationships with brands and pitch yourself then there's definitely opportunity
1: for everyone you just have to go out and get it I love it no I think that's very accurate to me and i think it's reassuring especially to people who are starting out or even people that are trying to build a career out of this that we are just at the beginning but we are at the forefront of what influencer marketing is going to be in the future so i think like you said there's room for everybody if they really want to make that commitment
0: yeah absolutely and i think as soon as someone who's just starting out gets that first like gifted product or gets that first like small paid collaboration even if they're just getting paid 50 or 75 or 100 to post to their feed it's a little bit addicting like you you're, you're now getting paid to do something you're excited about you're getting paid to create and I think it will just light the fire and really you know start the ball rolling
1: totally and I think it'll also allow people who are really good at it and are really passionate about it to move ahead of maybe the people that aren't creating the best content that bought their followers that aren't really doing it the like proper way um that this will really be a turning year for that which will be good I'm excited for that
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I think that the disappearing of likes helps that too because as you're scrolling you're not liking something based on the fact that 36,000 other people have liked it you're actually looking at the photo looking at the caption and then making a decision whether it's worth your like engagement or your double tap so for people who are maybe only getting um like less than a thousand likes their content could really stand out because it's speaking for itself it's not speaking based on the amount of likes that it's getting
1: right exactly um and who are some of the influencers that you think people should look out for in 2020 that are really killing their game
0: Mm -hmm. okay i want to share two that are more micro influencers and then two macro influencers so who i mentioned she's been doing a really good job of diversifying so she's gone on youtube this year her handle is rrayyme she's in the fitness and wellness space um a little bit beauty and because she's already so established she's been able to diversify into lifestyle like we talked about before niching is so important at the start but once you have that established audience, that's when you can kind of bring in those other subtopics. Um, But she, yeah, she jumped onto YouTube this year. She's been really consistent with it, even though she isn't seeing massive growth, which is just the reality of social media channels right now. So I really um, am inspired that she's continuing to show up in that way. Also, Claire Gens, who is a client of mine, um, her name is spelled Claire, G-U-E-N-T-Z. She's doing a really good job of just just showing up as her full self on stories like she's not holding back she's she's sarcastic she's funny she's you know like rolling her eyes at dumb stuff and and just calling herself out on her own shit as well i guess and i've just been able to watch her like really step into herself if that makes sense and not hold back and i think it's really going to serve her well moving forward because you just see someone that's like 100% just doesn't care and is showing up as themselves and it's really inspiring and then two girls who I worked with this year through one of my Instagram courses, one, her name's Heather and her pages an interior design page is called uh, our Barnes yard. Her last name is Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S. And she shares these unreal DIY projects. She did this amazing like dollarama tree at Christmas and created this beautiful kind of like Scandinavian minimalistic look on her christmas tree for a really small amount of money money it was unreal and she uh she's been doing great on showing up on instagram stories i think micro influencers sometimes are really scared to show up on instagram stories they're like oh no one wants to like hear what i have to say or blah 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 and heather just keeps fearlessly showing up on there so she's been doing great she's grown her engagement and her following probably i don't know triple i don't know i don't know what she was at at the start of this year but she's doing amazing um and then the last account i would mention is called the two lips Do, do you
1: follow them no so
0: these girls are two female young farmers in manitoba and they create this beautiful editorial style kind of like model content but with a farm spin so their niche is super unique they're killing it people love their content um they love I think people really love getting to know about the agriculture industry because it's just something you don't get, like, a huge glimpse into, especially not on Instagram. So they are definitely ones to check out. And they're sisters.
1: Not twins, but sisters. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I'll definitely have to look up all those people because I, I find sometimes I'll go through, like I'm going through who I'm following or just, like, refreshing your own feed is to find people that are doing a good job of the job to be inspired to, like, create that type of content content or become more like authentic so I think it's important to check out people so I will definitely start following them Mm -hmm, for sure um and a couple more questions what book or podcast besides your own which we can definitely talk about um would you (laughs) recommend to listeners (laughs) um the top ones that I listen
0: to are Amy Porterfield's online marketing made easy um, the Gary Vee audio experience. And then I recently found one that's called Jerisha said, and it's about scaling your business and selling. And she has a lot of good content on there too. So I kind of listen to more business-based ones. Um, but as far as influencer marketing goes, a drink with James is a good one. Do you listen to that?
1: No, I need to, they listen. Are so I don't think marketing- I listen to any influencer marketing ones, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, I feel like I could probably find more. But sometimes I listen to this stuff and it's more not like a waste of time or anything. It's nice that it's reaffirming what I already know. But I also want to learn a lot of new stuff, too. So that's why I listen to a lot of businessy ones. And then I have a podcast that's called Girl Meets Graham. It's really short, actionable episodes. I don't do interviews. It's just me talking. Get straight to the point. Give people some good tips so that they can walk away and take action. And
1: yeah, most of them are like less than 12 minutes, I think. No, that's awesome. And so do you want to, um, this is the last like question. Do you want to share the courses that you have, what your Facebook group is, your podcast? Like Jenna, just give us a full rundown on what people can interact with you and learn from you. Yeah, totally.
0: So I'm on Instagram at J-O-H-H-H-A-N-N-A. and my name is Johanna. And people always say Joanna. so I'm like, how many H's do I need to put in there before people start saying this H? <laughs> <laughs> and my last name is Adrianson, and I'm trying to say and spell Johanna Adrianson so just be impossible to ever remember spell. So we just went straight with Johanna. Um, I'm on Instagram all the time, happy to connect in the DMs and talk more about all of this influencer marketing stuff. And then the capacity that people work with me in now is through one one or two or both of my online courses so one of my online courses is called girl meets gram and it's for the female mostly um obviously anyone can take it but i just market to female so small business owner side hustler who wants to learn how to use instagram to market their business so not necessarily from a personal brand perspective but if you are a a nutritionist or a coach, or even like a hairstylist or a massage therapist or a network marketer, anyone who needs to bring clients into their business and wants to use Instagram as a tool to do that. That's who the Girl Meets ground course is for. And then just in November, we launched Monetize Your Influence, which teaches people how to work with brands. So takes all the guesswork out of it, shows you how to get in front of more brands, how you need to be showing up on social media in order to do that, how to create a media kit. Um, we really pushed making a business plan in that course because I think that that's super popular. It's a step that gets, like, overlooked a lot. And then, of course, the pitching to paid process, so what you are going to expect and see when you go into negotiations with brands and how you can, like, increase your rates and what to expect with the contract and all of that stuff. So that's been so fun to make. I'm so excited about it. And there's already been quite a few people go through it and the feedback's been good. So I'm excited to keep sharing more about that
1: one. No, that's great. Um, And that is everything. So thanks so much for talking about all this. Like I said, we could probably talk about this for hours and hours, but um, I wanted to keep it as short as possible, which is I think like 45 minutes or 50 minutes this was, but um we'll definitely have to connect when you're back in Winnipeg and do more podcasts in the future so thank you for joining me thank you so much for having me we will chat soon thanks for listening to this episode I hope you gained a lot from Johanna and everything she had to say I think there was a lot of good nuggets and I hope everyone is inspired to create beautiful Instagram content and start an email list and have a blog I love content creation and I love social media and so we really connected on this one and I hope you gained just as much from it as I did and again thank you for listening and following along if you haven't already subscribed go over to iTunes or Spotify wherever you're listening to this subscribe rate review all of that follow me on Instagram my personal Instagram is almost famous with two F's and poolside digital is the account for this podcast